This week we are beginning a series called the, the Blessed Life. How many of you guys want to have a blessed life? Anybody? How many of you guys want to walk around and you woke up this morning and you're like, man, I want to live a cursed life this morning, right? Nobody wakes up doing that. Um, this is a series um, that I have heard several years ago, um, and it's been a series that has impacted me all of my adult life. Um, how many of you guys have heard of Gateway Church? Right, Robert Morris. Um, some of our worship team is going to get to be, they're going to be going to a worship conference here, here in just a month or so. Um, but this is a series that he originally did. And so some of you are going, Pastor, I can't believe you're about to preach somebody else's message. Can I just tell you, when it's good and I believe that it's a, a word for the church, it doesn't matter where it comes from because it came from God. Amen? And so if you Google this, you're going to find the message. And if you Google hard enough, you're going to find the next six. Don't do that. Okay, but um, man, the, the whole thought behind the series came because James Robinson and his team had asked uh, Robert Morris to come on their program to teach on giving because he teaches a principle, give to give, not give to get. You see, they said this was the most balanced message on giving that they had ever heard. Then after he came and spoke, he was asked to write a book so that people could read it instead of just listening to the cassettes or seeing the DVDs. And when they asked him to give, or they asked him to to write the book, they said, hey, we'd like to have it in one month. I mean, you guys know sometimes it takes more than a month to write a paper, let alone a book. And so he got away and took a small mini retreat and over the course of three days dictated the entire book. Um, because of that, the Bless Life book came into fruition, and since its inception, it sold millions of copies around the world. It is in 30 languages all around the world. Um, he, matter of fact, he gave all the royalties, that's the money that he makes for writing the book when it sells, he gave all of that back to his church. And you see, God's been using it all around the world. And the, the reason that this book is being used around the world, and the reason that it, that it is good is because it's going to change your life. So I believe the principles that we cover over the next seven weeks will not only change your life, they're going to change your marriage. It's going to change your family. It's going to change your health. It's going to change your relationships. It's going to change your job. It's going to change your life. You see, it's a blessed life, not a blessed pocketbook or a blessed wallet. It's a blessed life. The message today is titled, It's All About the Heart. It's all about the heart. So look with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you used, it will be measured back to you. Now I want to ask you a simple question. Is the word money anywhere in those two verses? No. And the context is judging. Don't judge or you will be judged. Now listen, I want, to com- I want us to commit to short-term memory, the first phrase and the last phrase. And so I would like for you to just say it after me. Can we do that? Judge not and you will not be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Let's say it one more time. Judge not and you will not be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now look at Luke six thirty seven. I want you to look at that first sentence. It says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. 
And then look at the last sentence of verse 38. It says, for the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Listen, I want you to understand that this is the parallel message, but I want to show you a verse in the middle that, in my opinions, many times the context is not understood. So Luke 6, 37, 38 says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now let me make a statement, and this may shock you. The word money does not appear in those verses at all. And yet most of the time when we hear Luke 6.38, we think about money. As a matter of fact, when we think about the word give, we think about money. Robert Morris was being interviewed by a magazine, and they asked him how often he preaches on giving. And he said every week. Shocked, they said, you, you preach on giving every week? And, and he said, yes. I think what you meant to ask me is how often do I preach on giving money? And that's about every three years. Every three years I do a series on stewardship and generosity. But you didn't ask me how often I give, how how often I preach on money. You asked me how often I preach on giving. You see, the truth is we can't preach on grace and not talk about giving because God loved the world that He gave. I can't preach on marriage and not preach on giving because a marriage will not work if both people are not giving. Again, not finances, but giving. Do you understand what I'm saying? This applies to every area of our life. See, that's what we've got to understand. Giving is about the heart. It's all about the heart. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Some people say, well, they're after my money. Let me explain something to you. Yes, God is after your money, not the church. God is after your money because He is after your heart. And your heart is connected to your wallet. Listen, there's a string that runs from your heart to your wallet because I've watched people when they reach back to grab their wallet to give, they're like, oh, it hurts, doesn't it? Listen to me, if God can get to your wallet, He can get to your heart. Listen, I'm not the one who said it. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart follows your treasure. If you put your treasure in a stock, do you know what you do? And you put some money into the stock, you're going to start going on the internet to see how the stock is doing. Why? Because your treasure's there. Are you following me? You want your treasure in the kingdom, right? You you want your heart in the kingdom. Then you've got to put your treasure in the kingdom. You see, so it's a heart issue. Because he's talking in these verses about judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. Don't judge or you will be judged. Don't condemn or you will be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And then he says give. But what is he saying? Give judgment and judgment will be given back to you. And and here's the part that I don't hear a lot of preaching on. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give judgment back to you. For with the same measure you give judgment, you'll get judgment back. You see, that's the context of these verses. Judging, condemnation, and forgiveness. 
Now, you remember in our last series, we talked about that we can apply these principles to many areas of our life, and I believe that we can do this, and we can apply it to many areas because of the laws of sowing and reaping. Listen, if you give a seed, you don't just get back one seed, do you? You get back a tree or a plant with many seeds, and that's the way God is. So whatever you give, you're going to get more back. So wouldn't it be better to give good things than bad things because you're going to get more of it back? Whatever it is, right? Listen, some of us are giving bad things and praying for a crop failure. So I believe it's time to begin to give the good things. A friend of mine was counseling with a lady once, and she was a single mother and didn't have anywhere to leave her kids. And so when he was meeting with her, um, they they met there in, in his office and left the kids out there right outside the office with his assistant. And they left the door open, and he was talking to her, and and. And she said to him, my kids yell at me. They yell at me all the time. And then she did this. Hey, you stop doing that out there. Be quiet. I don't know why they yell at me. He said to her, Luke 6.38, give yelling, and yelling will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down. You guys get that. Now turn with me to Deuteronomy 15. That's in the Old Testament. So we know that, that God wants us to develop a heart of generosity. So how do we do it? Way back in Deuteronomy 15, God tells us what we need to do. Four things that we need to do because it's all about the heart. Deuteronomy 15, 7 and 8 says, If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates of your land which the Lord your God has given you. Notice that God has given you the land. Notice the word giving. You shall not harden your heart. It's all about the heart. Nor shut your hand from the poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly. That would be about your heart. Lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. There are four things that we need to do in order to become a more generous giver. Number one, we've got to deal with the selfish heart. Deal with the selfish heart. Look with me at Deuteronomy 15.9. says, Beware lest there be wicked thoughts in your heart. Notice the word heart again. Saying, The seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. Notice that selfishness is wickedness in God's eyes, and it becomes sin. Now, here's what he's saying. Now, when your brother comes and asks to borrow from you, you willingly open your hand to him. You open your heart to him, but don't let there be this wicked or this selfish thought in you that says, man, this is the year of Jubilee. This means that all debts are going to be canceled. In other words, if he came and said, hey, I need to borrow some money. My crops were bad this year. And you thought, you know what? Six more months in this year until the year of Jubilee. If he can't pay me back in those six months, then I'm going to have to cancel his debt. I can't do that. You see, God implemented an economic system where all debts were canceled every seven years. How many of you guys would like to re-implement that economic system? Right? So if you thought, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this because he might not be able to pay me back. You know what God said? Don't do that. Don't think that way. Don't be that way. And here is what he calls it. He calls selfishness wickedness. He's dealing with and telling the people of Israel, I don't want you to do this. I want you to become generous the way that I 
am generous. I want to ask you guys a question that a friend of mine asked his Bible class that he was teaching. And it's this. Why did God create giving? Have you ever thought about that? Because God did. God created giving. It's all throughout God, through God's Word. So why did God invent or create giving? You know what their overwhelming response was? It was that God created giving to support His work. And He said this to the room of students, and I, I want to say it to you this morning, and I want you to think about it. Why? Because His answer really makes me laugh. You know what He said to him? Do you really think that God needs your money to support His work? I mean, is a light bill in heaven too big for God? Is God running out of gold for the streets in heaven? Is He, he you know, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Is He running out of cows? You mean God needs your help? No. Listen, God did not create giving for His sake. He created giving for your sake. Giving more than any other activity that a believer does works selfishness and greed out of our lives. You see, this is why why I don't like much of the preaching that I hear on giving. Because most of the preaching that you hear is you give to get. Right? Give and you'll get, give and you'll get. And let me tell you what that does. It actually works selfishness and greed back into your life. And how do you think God feels when a preacher preaches, give and you'll get, give and you'll get. And the people say, well, I want to get, so I'm going to give. I wonder if God is thinking, well, that's great. All of my people are catching the the revelation of getting. No, you see what we need is a revelation of giving. Number two, you got to deal with a grieving heart. Deal with a grieving heart. Now, he's talking about giving. He's talking about money. In verse 10, says, You shall surely give it to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because of this thing, or because for this. Watch. For this thing, giving with the right heart, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works. Isn't that amazing? And in all to which you put your hand. Listen, if you learn to give from the heart with the right heart, God is going to bless you in everything you do. That's what he just said. We need to understand that this is a heart issue. But you see, selfishness attacks us before we give and grief attacks us after we give. If you've ever given a large amount or you've committed to, to give something and then all of a sudden something breaks, and then he comes in immediately and says, see, you shouldn't have done that. He comes in and now we've got grief because we gave. See, the reason that we grieve after we give is because we thought it was ours. See, the truth is all of the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So when we give back to God what is already His, then we don't get to grieve over it. Anybody here ever got buyer's remorse? You go buy something, you're like, ooh, I'm going to buy this. And as soon as you buy it, you're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have bought this. Right? Or or maybe it doesn't happen right then, but it happens a month later when you've got to make that $500, $600, $700, $800 car payment. And you're going, man, what was I thinking? You see, when we give back to God what's already His, There's no room for us to grieve because it's already His. Number three, we've got to develop a generous heart. Develop a generous heart. Look at verse 14. You shall supply Him 
liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. From what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give him. Listen, God wants us to be generous. The problem with that is we were born selfish. But we are born again generous. We just have to renew our minds. Think about it. Do you really want to be generous? Now, we, re- we just read Luke 16 a moment ago, and if we were to go back and read the context again and back up a little more, and we're not going to do that today, but you can do that on your own. If you go back to around verse 30, here's what it says. Give everyone who asks of you, and for him who takes your coat, give him this too. The whole context is to lend to people without even hoping to receive anything in return. See, what he's doing here is he's beginning to deal with the heart. It's our money, right? I can't lend you my money. Go to the bank, get their money, but you can't have my money. See, there's got to be this transition that takes place where we realize that it is God's money. Listen, you see, it's the first thing we try and teach our children, isn't it? I want you to think about that. What do you you have to try and teach your children that's so hard to teach your children? Share, right? Share. No, we share with our brothers and sisters. And what happens? The neighborhood boy comes over to play and the neighbor, the, the neighbor boy picks up a toy. And what does your boy do? He drops whatever he's playing with and he runs over and says, I was playing with that. I was playing with this. It's mine. Right? That ever happened? Maybe your kids. And the neighbor boy says, okay. And then he goes over and picks up something else to play with. And your boy runs over there and says, I'm playing with that too. And you look at him and going, hey, buddy, share. Share. And can I tell you, it's something that not only do our kids struggle with, but I believe that we as adults struggle with it as well. Do you realize what God is saying to all his children? When are you going to grow up? When are you going to grow up? When are you going to become like your father that loves so much that he gave? When are you going to quit acting like a child and throwing a fit just because things don't go your way? When are you going to quit acting like a kid because I told you to give? When are you going to quit acting like a kid because you had to use some of your resources to spend on other people? Listen, there has been no one that paid a greater price than God did. And God is saying, when are you just going to grow up? Listen to me, if, if your teenagers haven't figured this out by the time they hit 15 or 16, you're going to be wondering the same thing. Hey, when are you going to grow up? When are you going to quit acting like a kid? Why? Because none of us are supposed to say the same. We're supposed to progress in this life. And so we want to develop a generous heart. Notice it says develop. Develop. See, when I hear the word develop, I think of old film. You guys remember film? 35 millimeter used to take pictures for, for you young kids. You guys have never seen one of these. But there were little packs of film that you used to put in these things called cameras that weren't a part of your phone. And what you would do is you'd have to click it around. See, we were poor. We didn't have one of them fancy ones that automatically did it. We had to do it with the thumb thumb thing right there. And when you did it, it sounded kind of like a duck. Leave me alone. I'm not good at impressions. Um, but when you did that, you took a picture and then you had to roll it in. And then you know what you did when you got done? You dropped in a little plastic case 
and you'd take it to Walmart. See, I grew up when Walmart was there. You could drop it in, and they'd do next day. And you know what they would do? They would take that film. They'd take it into a dark room, and they would develop it. They would put solutions and all kinds of acid and different things to develop that film. Then all of a sudden, something would come out. Here's what it means is that when it, you went to develop the pictures, somebody had to work at it. It wasn't automatic like it is today. Can I tell you the great thing that I love about cameras today is I can literally, in the middle of a message, I can turn around and take a selfie, and I can immediately figure out whether or not it's a good picture. I don't have to wait a week or two to figure out if what I got was in focus, and it probably wasn't. You see, we've gotten used to instantaneous stuff. But we need to get back to allowing God to develop us. And if we want to have a generous heart, it's got to be developed. And it doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen over time, after time, after time, and opportunity after opportunity that all of a sudden you've become to begin to be generous. And you know what happens when you've developed that within you? All of a sudden you become generous in everything you do. Number four. Develop a grateful heart. Develop a grateful heart. Back in Deuteronomy 15, 15, it says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. Do you know what he's saying? I command you to be generous. I am commanding you. And you know that under the authority I am commanding you, he said that everything you have came from me. You need to remind yourselves every now and then that you were once slaves. You see, I think for too many of us, too often, we've been saved for too long and we forget where we came from. But you know, every now and then, I get reminded of my past. That happened to anybody else? Maybe it's scrolling through Facebook and, and I see one of my friends and that, that something will pop up on the news feed and all of a sudden that thought triggers this thought. And then all of a sudden this thought here triggers this thought. And then that thought brings me all the way over here and it triggers this thought. And before I know it, I've made this galactic journey in my mind and I'm right back to where I was. And I'm reminded of my sin again. Listen, I see some of my old friends on on Facebook that are still caught up in that lifestyle. And you know what I say? I say, thank you, God, for getting me out of it. For redeeming me from that type of lifestyle. Now listen, it's been 11 years since I graduated college, and some of those guys are still living their life the exact same way now for over a decade. Thank you, God that I'm not doing that anymore. You know, the Lord just reminds me. You want to know why it's not hard for me to give? Because there was a time that I didn't have anything. You see, I was a slave. And you didn't have anything either. No matter what you had, you didn't have anything if you didn't have Christ. A while back, a pastor and his wife heard my friends share their testimony and giving, and they, they had been able to give very extravagantly. And they gave their first home away. They had given two or three vehicles away. And they loved to do that. And he shared that testimony at the church. And that, that night at dinner with the pastor and his wife, the, the, the wife said to my friend's wife, said, hey, I've got a question for you. And both of them knew the question because they'd heard it so many times. And she said, how do you feel 
when your how did you feel when your husband said he wanted to give away your house and his wife said I felt great I felt great. You have to remember that he and I were married before he got saved. And every time he has wanted to give something extravagantly, I say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for my new husband. And then the pastor asked her a question that she'd never been asked. And he asked her, why do you think Robert is so generous? Why do you think he has given so extravagantly? Retirement, savings, and all of these things over the years, why do you think he is so generous? And a tear rolled down her cheek. And she said, because he's never gotten over getting saved. He's never forgotten where he came from. And he knows that everything that we have came from the Lord. Did you hear that? Because he's never gotten over being saved. He's never forgot where he came from. See, I believe that too many of us have gotten over being saved. We've become too comfortable sitting in the church on a Sunday morning or maybe a Wednesday night and we sing a couple of songs and we listen to a, to a message that's inspired by God and we forget what God brought us out of. You know what happens when we begin to do that? We become apathetic. We stop caring. You know what happens when we do that? It changes how we live our life. The reason that my wife and I are so generous is because we've never gotten over being saved. We've never gotten over being saved and and we count it a joy to give and we look for opportunities to give. Listen, I don't say this to toot my own horn, but some of you guys in here have been a, have been blessed because of our generosity. And I don't say that to toot our horn, but to tell you that we do this in our own life. Listen, my wife give well beyond what we give in an offering plate that we get tax giving credit for. Why? Because that doesn't matter. It's people that matter. And if we love God, then we do something about it. If we haven't gotten over our salvation, we remember what it was like to be unsaved and we want to introduce people to Christ. So why do we sometimes buy tires for people? Why do we sometimes pay people's rent or electricity bills or, or we pay truck payments or whatever it may be? You want to know why we do that? Because God has blessed us. And you know what? There was a time in our life where we didn't have anything to give. I'll never forget the very first time Tina and I had been married less than one year. It was about four or five months into it. We're at district council. And I don't remember what it was but they said there's some of you here today that can give a thousand dollars and in my head I'm going good that's not us because all we got is a thousand three but God started to stir something inside my heart and I looked at Tina And I said, babe, I think we're supposed to give. (laughs) And all face, she goes, good, how much? And I said, it all. We're supposed to give it all. And can I tell you, her reaction should have been, are you crazy? Have you lost your ever-loving mind? We've got bills to pay next week. And you don't get paid for two weeks. But you know what? I was obedient. And up until that point in my life, I wrote the biggest check I'd ever given to God. And you know what? 
Did it kind of hurt, the pocketbook? Yeah. We went from a thousand a couple dollars to nothing. When I say we gave it all, we gave it all. Did it make me nervous? Yes. But I was being obedient to God. And I figured that if I was going to be obedient to God, then God would take care of it. I wish I could tell you that like the next day we got in, we checked our mail and there was a thousand dollar check sitting in the mailbox. There wasn't. Matter of fact, I don't even know how we paid our bills that month, but God somehow provided. But we became obedient at that point. And can I tell you from that day forward, we haven't looked back. Can I tell you, it's literally nothing for my wife and I now to write a $1,000 check without even questioning God. Here you go. We've written $5,000 checks and said, here. Can I tell you, I'm waiting for God to call me to write that $10,000 check. You want to know why? Because I believe that when we become more obedient, God gives us more responsibility. And God said, if you're faithful with a little, then then." I will give you much. Why? Because you know that God, that, 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 that you're going to be faithful with it. But can I tell you, if I never was obedient to that first $1,000, I never would have kept giving those $1,000 checks. I never would have given that $5,000 check. Maybe for you, maybe it's not $1,000. Maybe it is. Maybe it's 20 or 50 or 100 or 200 or 500 maybe God wants you to actually begin to tithe but can I tell you that God has given you an opportunity because he's already blessed you listen we don't give to get we give to give because we're already blessed why? because we've never gotten over being saved we've never forgotten where we came from you guys have heard me share the story. There were times early in our marriage where we could barely afford, well, that's not even true. We couldn't afford groceries on the table. We didn't have money to buy milk for Josiah or food. And all of a sudden, people would begin to take care of us, not knowing what was going on. God used people supernaturally because we were obedient. And can I tell you, during that entire time, we never disobeyed God when it came to giving. Can I tell you, because of that, God has blessed us richly. Now, am I telling you that I could write a $100,000 check? Oh, I could write a $100,000 check, but it's going to bounce. Right? But can I tell you, God has blessed me. In this season right now, Tina and I aren't struggling to pay our bills. Matter of fact, over the last year, we've been paying off debt. Why? Because we know that as we free up money that we've got tied into debt, it frees up money that we can give back to the kingdom. I believe that God is blessing because we've been faithful. Listen, I believe that you feel the same way that I do. We never want to get over being saved, do we? We are blessed to be a blessing. And because of that, you're a giver. Listen, God's given you a new heart and we want to give. Don't let the devil mess with your mind and tell you that you're not a giver. Listen, I want to encourage you that when the Holy Spirit leads you to give to your church or to a missionary or to some person in need, give as God leads you. Why? Why? Because it's about being obedient.
It's about being obedient. Listen, if the only reason you give is so that you can get the tax write-off come April 15th, you're not giving the right way. Am I telling you not to take advantage of that? No, take advantage of it. But that can't be the driving reason behind why you give. You see, we give because Tina and I are storing up treasure in heaven. Because why? Things here on earth, it says that moths and rust will eat it away. But treasure that you've got stored in heaven lasts forever. You want to know why we give? Because we're storing up treasure in heaven. So that's what I want to challenge you with today. Is number one, are you giving? But number two, why are you giving? Are you giving because God's already blessed you or are you giving to get? Listen, it's about the heart. It's all about the heart. And you got to get this right before you can get this right. So if you will stand with me as we close this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Today, maybe you'd say, Pastor, I realize that I've got a heart issue. Maybe you've never decided to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior, but today you want to make that that commitment for the first time, or maybe you want to come back to Him because you realize that you've walked away a bit and, and you want to rededicate your life. And today's the day that you want to make that declaration. If that's you, I want you to just slip your hand up right now. Nobody's looking besides me. Slip that hand up real high. that hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. Anybody else? God, I thank you for those that raised their hand this morning. God, that said they either want to commit to you for the first time, God, or to recommit to you, God, because they've walked away. God, we ask that, God, you would do a new work in them. God, that you would transform them by the renewing of their minds. God, that as they're faithful to you, God, that your blessings will flow upon them. God, we thank you for it. God, I pray over everyone else this morning. God, and I pray that as you lead them to give, God, as you lead them to be generous, God, that we would be obedient to your call. God, help us see opportunities to give. In Jesus' name.